Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that Jesus came to us. We thank you that you remain with us, with your church, as your Holy Spirit lives and moves among us, as your living word speaks to us, gives us an insight into who you are and what your heart for us is. Lord, we pray that you'd be with us for just these next moments as we think one last time about what it is to be a a church centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, speak to us, we pray. Amen. This autumn time, we've been thinking together about our, our church life, and we've been trying to be radical about in our thinking. And I don't mean by anything, I don't mean by that that we've done anything daft or irresponsible, at least I hope not. What I mean is that we've been trying to go back to our roots. Uh, that's what the word radical means. It means to go to the, the heart of the matter, to go to the root of the thing. And we're going back to our roots in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been paying attention to what God's word says about how the church of Jesus Christ is formed. We've been looking again to see what the church of Jesus Christ is for. And we've been learning together what kind of a a community the gospel, this good news of Jesus, should create in a place like this. The the title we've given this series is Gospel-Centered Church. This is really week 11 and, and the final week in that series, so... Uh, We've covered a lot of ground. We've learned a lot of things. We've learned that in a church that's centered on gospel mission, on the gospel, then mission isn't a fringe activity. It's not something that happens on the the edge of the church for one or two interested people. it, It must be right at the center. In this kind of a church, mission is for everyone. It's not just for one or two Uh, gifted public speakers. Any person who's known and experienced God's saving grace can live out the life of Christ and they can learn to talk to their friends and family uh, about these things. The mission of the gospel-centered church, we learned, it takes us beyond these walls. And that's that's a, a challenge for us, I think, Gatherings like this don't have a a purpose in and of themselves. They're not an end in themselves. Our vision is not to get as many bums on seats on a Sunday morning in here. That's not the be-all and end-all of church life. Rather, we gather here to meet with the living God and to be encouraged and equipped for life beyond, for the whole of life, wherever we live, Saturday to Monday. There's nothing boring about a gospel-centered church. Actually, it's a place of, of daring and of risk. It's a place where we understand that it's better to take a gospel initiative and to fail than to fail to take a gospel initiative. Uh, we learned that looking at Jesus' parable of the talents. 
It's a place that's more committed to people than to programs, more excited about relationships than events. Members of the gospel-centered church engage in their community in very natural ways, and their church doesn't distract them from that or try to draw them back into a Christian ghetto. It supports them for their community engagement. As we increasingly learn to live out the gospel, we learned our lives, and this, this was a, a wonderfully encouraging message, but also, I, I think, a big challenge. Our lives are to, be a, are to be an advertisement, a signpost pointing to Jesus. People who join our family gatherings, whether it's here on a Sunday at a time like this or any of the other smaller gatherings during the week, they ought to immediately feel welcome and see something here that they don't see anywhere else in the whole world. The, the presence of the living God among his people. And we do all that we can to make sure that people experience church life as a welcoming place. We, we embrace them as they come among us. We make sure that we explain ourselves uh, there shouldn't be too much going on here that's difficult to understand or, or that makes a person feel like an outsider. We, we thought about this stuff last week as, as David led us. I suppose as I quickly thought my way back through the series and, and recapped in my own mind and share that with you now, I hope that most of what we've shared over these last weeks has been pretty obvious. I, I hope that's been the case. It hasn't exactly been groundbreaking stuff, and I wouldn't suggest that it has. If you find yourself agreeing with the things that I've been saying and that David's been saying, um, I hope it's been in a, yes, that, that makes sense of what I've always understood the scriptures to teach, rather than, wow, that's incredibly new and dramatic. I hope there's something earthy and obvious about the things that we've been learning together. But then I have a question. If it is as simple and as straightforward as some of the things that we've been saying in the last few weeks, it begs a question. Why isn't the church at large more like this gospel-centered church that we read about in the Bible, that we've been trying to learn about, that we're longing to be, what is it that prevents our churches from being this kind of a simple, dynamic, gospel-centered community? It seems to me that you could have as many answers to that question as there are churches. Each church will have its own story to tell. But it seems to me also that there are some patterns of places where, where churches might, might just move from the, the, the central commitment to Christ and his gospel. Churches that have been around for a long time have particular dangers, or churches that are part of a, a group or a denomination that's been around for a long time. They can become idolatrous about the past. The way we do things around here turns into the only way that things could ever possibly be done. And tradition ends up becoming a kind of a, a law that rules us. You can see the telltale signs sometimes 
you, you go past the church in your car or on foot and you see the signs. Every church has a sign between them and the outside world. And you see there the weekly list of activities in gold writing. And if you've lived in that neighborhood, you'll know that that gold writing hasn't changed for 10 years or maybe for 30 years. Or maybe a new minister comes, so the tip X out the name at the bottom and write in the name of the new guy. But nothing changes. Because this is what we do, and this is how we do it. We can become idolatrous about our past and our traditions. If that's the danger for the churches that have been around for a long time, there's probably a different danger for new churches or, or revitalized churches churches begin to take off and begin to do a million things and distraction then becomes the enemy of the gospel our church programs start to dominate our church's life in the end our program determines what kind of a church we are rather than our programs being a servant to deliver a gospel centered mission Churches can become idolatrous about their programs. You'll notice I've I've used the word idolatry there to speak of the danger faced by both older and newer churches. By idolatry, I simply mean making a God of something that isn't God. Now tell me this. Do you think the church ever gets its priorities wrong? Do you think the church ever makes a God out of something that isn't God? Do you think there's any idolatry in the church? In these early years of learning how to be a minister, I've come to the conclusion that the church is jam-packed full of idolatry. Ironically, the place where we claim to worship God and and claim to be all about him might just be one of the places where we most find idols that we commit ourselves to instead. Maybe it's our, our buildings, old and elegant or new and shiny. They become the focus for us. In other cases, it might be our, our music. Maybe we have the, the latest boy band and concert lighting or else acquired a rival King's College. Either way, we know the music's the big thing in our church. Maybe it's our theology. Maybe we know we've got it just right. And other people haven't got it just so right. Maybe that's our idol. It's hard to imagine sometimes a place more jam-packed full of idolatry than the church. Maybe the best way to test our hearts and the hearts of of a community, a, a church like Kirkpatrick Memorial, is to put it in the form of a question. So here's a simple question that'll help each one of us expose our idolatry. Is there anything you wouldn't be willing to give up or to change in order to see our church better placed to reach people for Jesus Christ? Is there anything 
that you wouldn't be willing to give up or to change in order to see our church better equipped to reach people for Jesus Christ. If anything or things come to your mind, you've identified your idol. As we bring our series to a close this morning, I want to leave before us a challenge to really ensure that the gospel is at the center of our life here at Kirkpatrick Memorial and and to ensure that we do all that we can to keep it that way. I want to throw down a gauntlet. I want to ask, are we willing to shine a light on every part of our church's life and ask the question, how does this help us live out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the gospel-centered church, it's all about sharing Jesus. It's taken me a while to come to our Bible passage this morning, but I want you to look with me quickly at it now. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, page 1150. Paul's writing to one of the churches that he was responsible for founding. And if you read the whole letter, you'd see that at this point, he's, he's defending himself from any suggestion that he's only in it for the money as an apostle, that there's some uh, financial advantage coming to him from being a, a gospel preacher. But now as we pick up his argument in verse 19, we get a wonderful insight to how Paul's mind works, how he thinks Uh, about his his ministry he says i make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible and then he goes on he says if i'm working with jews then i'll enter into the jewish culture if they're into the jewish law then i'll work with them in that regard if i'm trying to reach people who aren't jews then i'll downplay my jewishness i am a jew but I'm happy not to make a big deal of that in the right moment so that I can connect with other people. Whatever people's sensitivities, I'm not going to allow my preferences to prevent me from reaching them for Jesus. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. See what Paul's saying here? He's willing to shape his whole experience of church and his whole life around this commitment of reaching people with the good news of Jesus. For Paul, it's not about him. The focal point of how he lives is not, here's me, here's what I want. He's saying, here are the people that God has given me, the people I want to reach, And here's how I will live. So it's not for Paul about the buildings that he likes to meet in or the kind of service that he prefers. It's not about the language that a person speaks or even about their morality. For Paul, it's about the gospel and living the life that will allow him to share Jesus with other people. 
Paul lives a gospel-centered life. Folks, as I've been teaching this stuff in recent weeks, and as I've been paying attention to what's happening uh, around Kirkpatrick Memorial these days, I, I just, I'm just wonderfully excited about what God is doing here. I had an experience on Thursday. I'll, I'll tell you about it. It's, it's somewhat illustrative of what I'm talking about here. I was going out giving out our parish newsletter, The Update, and one of the places where I sometimes go to deliver is down in Clarewood. Uh, down at the bottom of the estate, there's a, a tower block there, which some of you may know. So quite often I would visit my way through Clarewood House. It's a 14-story tower with four flats on each level. So whatever number is that? 56? Yeah, that's why I'm not an accountant anymore. Um, I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to, to ring a lot of doorbells, didn't have an awful lot of time, but I thought I'll pop these in. And I was just praying gently as I went, thinking, you know, Lord, what, what, what about this place? What, what do the people here need? How, how do they need to encounter you? And nothing happened. Just on my way out um, through a, a corridor, saw the sign, push bar to exit. So pushed the bar of the fire escape door and exited and set off an alarm. And as soon as I went out, I bumped into this guy outside. Hey, boy, what are you doing? I was like, oh, you know, it was, it just brought back a lot of memories, let's say, from um, younger days. I was, oh, I was giving stuff out. You know, he, he, he. And then I thought, I'll play the minister card. It might work. It's worth a try. So I said, I am a minister from Kirkpatrick Presbyterian up in Ballyhackamore there. Turns out we got talking. He was the security guard. Not the security guard, but the security stroke caretaker guy for this tower of flats. And there I'd been praying that God would, I don't know, just show us what, give us a contact, something that, uh, that we could maybe build on in the future. So after, I don't know, 20 minutes or half an hour of a conversation where he told me all about his past and asked me whether I was saved and what, what all that meant to me and, and this kind of stuff, we had a great time together. We exchanged phone numbers where I was able to say to him, listen, if there's ever anything that needs done around here that might need some resources beyond what you have, give me a ring. And equally... I'm going to go away from today and think about what I've seen here and, and see if, if there's something we could do, and then I'll, I'll give you a shout. So in one sense, that wasn't a big deal. But in, the, in another sense, it was wonderful just to be out in the parish, to be praying, and then to meet this guy, albeit by setting off his alarm and him um, almost beating me up. For me, it's just another episode in a long line of things like this that are happening these days as we spend more time outdoors. Our, our parents and toddlers group, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times recently, probably at least 20, maybe more, unchurched uh, mothers or, 
or childminders coming along every week, spending time with us here. Jenny's got the Globe Cafe started. Christianity Explored, we've been praying for those guys recently. You know, people have walked off the street into that course. Now, that kind of thing doesn't happen so much in Ulster anymore. You put up your poster inviting people to things, but you don't expect that anybody's actually going to walk in. But that's what God's doing uh, among us these days. Um, later today, we're going to go down to Bloomfield's nursing home and, and sing carols there with the residents. That's our, our first time to spend time down there. I'm conscious as well of, of the number of people who are inviting friends along to church with them who maybe aren't normally in church. Just God is, is at work here. He, he's, he's allowing us to meet people who, who don't yet know Jesus or who are, who are journeying towards Jesus. And by the way, if, if that's you this morning, if somebody's dragged you here, kicking and screaming. I hope it hasn't been as bad as you thought it was going to be. And I hope you know that you're welcome to come back and join us anytime in the future. Folks, we, we have learned a little bit these last few months, not just here on Sundays. I think we've learned in many other ways in our church life. And I think we're beginning to, to see this vision born in us and grow in us of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. If I could suggest a, a way forward, I think we just need to continue as we're going. Um, I think we need to, to learn, to continue to learn, to live it out. I, I want to tell you, I'm, I've been part of something this last six weeks where I've met with our discipleship group leaders on Sunday evenings, and we've simply been, been working together and thinking and, and praying about how our, our small groups in church might become dynamic, Christian, outreaching communities. That, that's something we want to grow in. There's no sense with what I'm saying here about reaching out that we think we've got it sorted. No sense of that at all. In fact, I think one of the beautiful things about reaching out is that we realize how much we have to learn. So, so let's keep learning how to live out the life of Christ. That's, that's the first thing I'd want to say. And the second thing is, I think the time is coming when, when we're, some of us are becoming hungry to learn how to share better. You know, we've spent time out, we've invited people to things but we feel a bit tongue-tied when it comes to talking to people about Jesus. Let me tell you about one last experience I've had this week. I told you a few weeks ago about being at the Lausanne Congress in Cape Town in South Africa. And one of the, the multiplexes I went to there was um, on personal evangelism, and it was by Rebecca Manley Peppert. Now, a lot of you will have heard that name, and will maybe some of you will even have read her book, out of the salt shaker, all about personal evangelism. Well, I'd made a note in my wee, uh, in my wee diary uh, that I kept during that time, get in touch with Rebecca Manley Pippard. Now, she's a, an American lady. Um, and I, I came home and I thought, right, I, I must do this. And, and in between times, I heard that, yes, she's an American, but she lives five months of each year in Hollywood County Down. I thought, oh, okay, that's not so far away. So I emailed her on Friday morning 
I, I explained that we're learning some stuff about reaching out in the name of Jesus. I asked her if she'd be interested in coming to do any stuff with us uh, to help us think about how to share the gospel naturally in our real lives and real relationships. And, you know, you send an email like that and you think, right, I might hear back and it, it might be three or four weeks or months. By lunchtime on Friday, I got an email back to say, yes, Christoph, good to hear from you. I'll be around from January to May of 2011. All my weekends are already booked up, but we're doing a conference on the kind of stuff that you're talking about in Hollywood in February. And you'd be very welcome to, to come along and to get some people along. Folks, the Bible has a, an idea in it about God making straight your path if you walk in his ways and, and try to live honoring him. I have a real sense that in many ways, as we're trying to reach out in the name of Jesus, God is opening doors and making straight our paths. And for me, the challenge is, will I get on the path? Will, will I go? Will I, will I learn these things? Let me close for this morning and for this series. Paul wrote to the, the believers in Corinth. He said to them, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. What a brilliant vision for his life. I wondered how, how it would sound if we said that about this church. We become all things to all men and women and boys and girls so that we might by all possible means save some. It's about saying something like this. It's about saying church isn't actually all about us. Those of us who are in here and who gather here on Sundays and during the week. It's about saying it's more about them and how the, the blessings of Christ that we have found and know and enjoy might be shared with them. You see, the truth is that every person in here or out there needs to hear and respond to the same good news. That God our Father loves us. That his son Jesus came into the world to die on a cross to rescue us. And that God will give us his Holy Spirit, that he will live in us. That Advent's not a, it's not a funny tradition about God coming to us. It's, it's a real thing. This is the gospel. God creates us. Jesus saves us and, and God's spirit indwells us. And that gospel is for us and for everyone who's not us. The world, every single person, needs to hear that good news of Jesus. And that's why we're committed 
to becoming a gospel-centered church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the, the privilege that it is to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Those who are, are born again into a brand new way of life because we've, we've seen our need of Jesus and have responded to him. Lord, while we celebrate your grace and your goodness in, in, in giving us the, the church and each other. Lord, we want to confess today our, our seemingly endless capacity to, to over-elaborate and to allow the life of Christ to, to become secondary in our church. Lord, we pray that, that these days you would birth in us a new appetite for you, a new simplicity in what we're about about growing in you and inviting others to find you and grow in you too. Lord, make us hungry for this. Make us passionate for this. Take all the other stuff away. Lord, let us shine for you. And let us be willing to take the light that you've given us into dark places to people who are lost and alone without you. Lord, we pray, and we, we hardly dare say it, but we do pray. We pray that this parish might be different because we're here. Amen.